0: Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey, everybody. I missed you. I'm back. Welcome to episode 61 of the Coach Fury Podcast. Thank you for putting up with the two-week break. Glenn and I discussed kind of trying to hustle in uh, a couple episodes so there wouldn't be a gap while I was away. But there's two things. Uh, You know, people are talking to me on their own time, and I want to be able to focus and invest in them uh, without it feeling rushed. And I also just wanted to be able to focus on some of the downtime as prepping for this trip was very hectic. Um, What free time I had, I wanted to be able to spend with Kim and the kids and uh, the pup Ramona Flowers. So thank you for putting up with the break Uh, It was kind of nice to not have that to worry about, but it was also a little bit weird getting back into it. So I wanted to sort of shake off the ring rust today with a fury recap of my trip in Asia. For those that don't know, I just spent two weeks teaching in Tokyo and in Taipei. So we'll get into that in a moment. Um, One of the interesting things about this trip was you know, you start to get nostalgic in one way. Um, you miss everybody. You get homesick. Um, and, and I juggle that a lot. You know, like I, I, I clearly I collect toys and comic books and movies and stuff. And then, whenever I'm in Japan, uh, right near the places that I tend to stay, is uh, Zo- Zojoji Temple. And there's something about when I go to a temple that sort of puts me in the now and relaxes me. My head actually becomes clear. Uh, It happens every year that I'm out there. I've always stayed near this temple. And this was the year while I was out there that I actually checked out more temples. And when I was in college studying for film, I also took a lot of Eastern philosophy courses. So on one end, uh, I'm I'm trying to be more mindful and present in the moment uh, and and, and not trying to look too far ahead. But in the other, I'm a sucker for nostalgia and uh, the things that defined me. And I just got out of seeing a very nostalgia-driven movie for me called Mid-90s by Jonah Hill. It's a probably, I guess I could best describe it as the West Coast version of kids, if you haven't seen Larry Clark's kids. Uh, it's a decent movie. It's got some bright spots. I, I you know, I didn't love it, but uh, or I shouldn't say that I didn't love it. It didn't have the power that kids did, kids did for me, but it's also because I'm from the New York scene. Um, and, uh, you know, I was at the right age for that movie to hit me. So, uh, but it is definitely worth checking out. So I came out feeling a little nostalgic on that. And then as soon as my, felt, so my cell phone service comes back on, uh, after being in the theater and I start seeing that Stan Lee had died and I can remember a time before skateboarding. I can remember a time before star Wars. I can remember, um, a time before toys, really, Uh, but I can't remember a time before Marvel Comics in my life. Um, And those superheroes in particular, uh, the X-Men and Spider-Man and, you know, even if I wasn't reading the comics themselves, Iron Man was a big one for me, just the style of him. But Marvel Comics always really hit home for me, opened my imagination, made me feel like I fit in. Because Marvel Comics were the flawed people; um, they were like you and me, and they had their issues, and they just tried to—they co- were just trying to do good while coping in this world. And you know, I'm still bumming about it. I didn't want to necessarily do an episode while I'm bumming because a lot of great stuff happened, but I, I just want to take a moment as somebody that has always been a comic book kid, is a Marvel guy, um, somebody that you know ended up working at the same comic book shop that I would go to when I was like, you know, after, after college, I was working at the same comic book shop that I would go to from as young as I can remember uh, Heroes world in Levittown Long Island. Uh, you know, Stanley's been there and I know he had a lot of people working with him, um, on those books, but I just want to take a moment to thank him for, uh, sparking my imagination, making me feel less alone. Um, just kind of inadvertently being a guiding light. Um, so rest in peace, Stan. Excelsior, sir. Uh, let's move on from that. And let's, let's talk about some uh, bright stuff that I do have coming up. Can't always live in the now while I'm planning for the future. So uh, a couple of courses popped up last minute before I was heading out. I'm going to be doing a four-hour DVRT workshop in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, at the Brooklyn Athletic Club uh, Athletic Club on North Berry. Uh, Larry Betts' amazing place. Uh, That's going to be 10 to 2 on Saturday, December 2nd. It is only $99 to come. And that money can be applied to a DVRT level one certification. So uh, come and check that out. And then on, this is crazy, on like the evening, late evening of December 16th, I'm flying out to Taiwan again to literally teach for three days and then fly home. Uh, I'm going to be teaching an HKC on December nineteenth, at Soulfit in Taipei, uh, there are seven spots left for that. If any of my new Taiwan friends from this past week are there, come on out. Uh, and then I'm following that up immediately with uh, an RKC on the twentieth, on the twenty-first, and the twenty-first, and then flying out on the twenty-second. So that's the last haul to get home in time for Christmas, and I'm super excited about it, and uh, kind of shockingly surprised at how well I can handle. 14 to 20 hour travel days at this point um that is something i never thought i'd be able to do Uh, So I'm excited for that. Then when I come back, January 13th, Original Strength Pressing Reset hits Mark Fisher Fitness Bowery, and and that is filling up with awesome people. Uh, I just got the new, actually, attendee list so far, and lots of friends, lots of smart coaches, lots of good, solid folks, and I look forward to meeting some people there as well. And I will say this, uh, I had an interesting experience of teaching three Original Strength courses, Uh, in two different languages in a five-day window and i'll talk about working with the translator a little bit further in but it definitely sharpens the way you communicate and i'm very excited to sort of take what i've learned and how i've been presenting this um overseas and see how that comes across on the 13th so uh Come and check that out. I'm very excited to teach that one. I'm always excited to teach it, but this was a a learning experience uh, working with awesome translators, uh, but also the unique experience of two of them were literally back to back of the same course. So learning, learning, learning. And then on March 2nd and 3rd, the RKC at Momentum Fitness. Congrats to Marco and his wife on their baby um congrats marco stoke for you guys and uh that rkc is actually filling up and almost sold out so that is december uh sorry that is march 2nd and 3rd and then the following sunday we have an hkc kettlebell certification at mark fisher fitness bowery and i gotta tell you going through rkc's you can always tell who shines if they've gone through an hkc um Man, if it, I don't know. If you're not dialed in on your swing, your gobbled squat, and your get up, I don't know if you should be considering an RKC. Um, so come and join us for that. I think it's such a valuable experience. I know it's the first course that I ever went to. It's where I learned to get lower back pain out of my swings, and it's also where I learned to do get ups because I'd only done, like, maybe one or two of them beforehand um, really quickly coached by my friend Jose. So come and take the HKC. Uh, There is a bunch of stuff brewing past that, uh, but I want to focus on those courses for right now. And yeah, so uh, I'm really looking forward to how the uh, 2019 schedule is shaping up. It looks like we'll be going back to Taiwan. It looks like we'll be going back to Tokyo. I know we're going to be doing some courses at Dustin Ripito's spot in Tulsa for uh, OS and for DVRT. And there's just a lot of cool stuff happening. So yeah. Happy for everyone that could be a part of it and uh, grateful for that. So, let's talk about Asia. Uh, I'm sure I'm gonna skip some stuff, but so for those that haven't been following me on social media, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but I flew to Japan uh, to teach the first RKC in Japan. And then the following weekend, I taught original strength and a two hour intro to Indian club workshop that i not only sort of created uh but we also shot it for video so uh that's actually going to be an available product sold through kineticos in in japan which i'm very excited about and then flew out and taught two back-to-back original strength pressing reset workshops at uh, the believe training center in taipei taiwan with uh travis johnson and vicky hung uh translating for me so What was really cool about this trip was I sort of had a forced five days off and uh, where I could go sightseeing in Japan. And since this was my third time in Tokyo, uh, I felt like a big boy. I actually learned how to use the subways. So I was able to, uh, Travis Johnson and Garitani, who are the owners of Connecticut, they're more than friends, they're family. They're the ones that host and bring me out are so, have been so amazingly gracious in terms of taking me to all of these Godzilla stores and uh, nerdy shit that most people there aren't aware of, um, and also taking me to great food and just going above and beyond. So I felt actually like really relieved that I didn't have to rely on them because they are so busy. Um, They run, basically, they are the tip of the spear of fitness education in in Tokyo, in Japan in general. Mm And Cowrie teaches more courses than anybody that I know. And I know some people that work workhorses. So uh, this was the trip that I got to go out on my own. And having gone to so many sort of Godzilla-related places, I knew there was a couple of spots that uh, I wanted to revisit because I never assume I'm coming back. And I knew that I wanted to visit more temples. and Because... Uh, whenever I'm in a temple, I just, you know, I don't sit there and pray or meditate because I don't know enough. I don't want to be disrespectful, but I do find a sense of peace and calm uh, because I'm I'm basically a pretty nervous, anxious kid that uh, I I don't know how I get to do these things and and how this traveling doesn't freak me out. Although admittedly, I was getting more nervous leading up to this one than, than I have for others in the past. And so I got on the train and just really sort of like, on my own, you know, dug into the culture. And one of the things when you start sightseeing, especially in Tokyo, which is a massive city, is you, you really realize how new the United States are. Um, you know, you'll see temples that are over 600 years old with like, you know, buildings, or, you know, basically within the center of a neighborhood, um, you know, that might have gone up in the 60s, 70s or 80s. And the temple still stands relatively as is, or, you know, a lot of them obviously have, had been renovated, but you see these structures that were created, like, well, we went to a, a giant Buddha uh, statue, and it was, you know, from the 1200s, and when you realize that the U.S. is 1776, you realize we're a baby, baby country. Yeah, we're a great country, but, you know, it, it puts it into perspective in the rest of the world, Uh, I think especially on some level with the amount of drama that's going on here. So I found that pretty fascinating how you could just be walking past like a deli or a neighborhood and then all of a sudden you're at a shrine or a temple that is hundreds upon hundreds of years old. And it's just an aesthetic. um, The base principles of of Buddhism, I mean, there are certainly several versions of Buddhism, um, you know, ring true. Uh, sing to me in a a bit and has actually inspired me to do a little bit of research and and get into a little bit of meditating. I haven't gone that far yet, but uh, I I dusted off some of my, uh, some of the old Buddhism books that I used to have, I got on audiobook while I was out there and I've been listening to those. Um, So, you know, it was this interesting combination of visiting some of my favorite toy spots and Godzilla nerd spots, finding some new record stores and, hanging with my friends and and checking out some food. And it was amazing. Uh, The train system, once you dial it in, is really good. Uh, It's actually so much easier to follow once you crack the Da Vinci Code. I think it's actually easier than in the States, despite the language barrier. I mean, there are signs and stuff in English. But uh, it it was pretty fascinating to get out there. Uh, So one of the things uh, we'll talk about, I, I guess, leading in for the RKC. So the RKC was held at Taikyo uh University of Science. Uh Aruga-sensei leads the the education department there uh and we had a crew of of students that were studying, you know, to become trainers or physical therapists and they were like a big help and they sort of made sure everything during this 2-day RKC ran smoothly. And this was my first 2-day RKC and it was also the first 2-day Uh, having to work with a translator and Kari is amazing as a translator, but if you've never worked with a translator, it completely changes how you present in some ways because you have to think in smaller bits. You can't necessarily always say complete sentences. You certainly can't just run your mouth, but you're being very mindful of each bit. If those bits make sense. So you're kind of like, it's almost like chess. You're, you're playing, you're thinking ahead of yourself and, You know, even if you're being economical with your time, every time you say something, it's going to get repeated. So, the RKC, I was like very interested to see how this was going to work out. Travis and Kari did an amazing job of leading, uh, allowing for extra time so we didn't have to rush through everything. Um, But one of the coolest things that happened at this cert uh, is when, when we first started doing HKCs a couple of years ago out there you know, like uh, some people were stronger than others, but there wasn't a lot of experience with kettlebells. There wasn't like an overwhelming, like people weren't crushing get-ups or necessarily swinging heavy. And within a year or two, a ton of people passed out the gate. Like you just saw so much strength. And really the, 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 The things that didn't happen were snatch tests, which is basically the same thing that happens in the United States. And at the SARKC, basically, there were only maybe three to four people that I hadn't previously met at one of those HKCs or at an OS course that I already taught out there. So it was just great to see over a period of time uh, people legitimately getting stronger and better with an implement, Um, that there's not a lot of people there. It's not like they're going to a course in the States and then they can go to their gym and there's already five certified... RKC or SFG instructors at the gym or somebody that's gone through it. Like these guys are largely figuring it out on their own. And that said, Travis and Kari did a, a great job of programming for everyone and setting up a Facebook group. And, you know, I would chime in with technique tips and stuff like that. But, uh, it was really impressive to see the growth, not just of the kettlebell movement and Dragon door out there, but also of just their own strength and technique. Uh, so it was a really amazing experience, and uh, one that I won't forget, because they, they, there's, a, there's a level of pride there, not just in a set of initials, but also that they realize that they're at the, that they're, they're leading this movement now, um, and kettle, people have used kettlebells there, but it's just never caught on the way there. Uh, you, what you start to pick up in different countries, not that I've been to a ton, is that the focuses and ideologies or philosophies are are different, and kettlebells is sort of like you know leading a new way trx huge out there and i'd say that travis and kari have actually done a great job and taizo uh uh, amura who are all three master and fellow master dvrt instructors have done a great job of pushing uh dvrt training out there but the growth of kettlebells was awesome and i was so impressed with everybody that did the rkc and then after the rkc i had five days basically um, to sightsee uh, I did as much as I could with my online training crew and checking, checking in with classes. This was the first time that I got to go away on one of these work trips and, and still have money coming in, uh, where I was actively working, but also, uh, I have to say big thanks to Caitlin Lavelle and, and Victor Reyes for covering classes while I was out. So classes still ran a few industries while I was in there, I, while I was out there, I didn't have to shut anything down. And, uh, so I got to go to uh, one of the coolest places uh, is this town. And and oh, I should also say, uh, though I, I did visit Godzilla stores, I was primarily looking for my kids because this is the year that the kids have gotten into anime, uh, almost annoyingly so because they'll just like say like anime, <laughs> you know, like it's Japanese cartoons, but like anime, anime, anime. So I went looking for gifts for the kids. And Akihabara is, is sort of the center of that, of uh, the anime culture, the toy culture, video game culture in Japan. And there's a, a wonderful store called Mandarake. There's a chain of Mandarakes, which started as sort of secondhand comic book shops or manga, and uh, turned into secondhand like all sorts of toys and, and dolls and cosplay stuff. Uh, they're quite wonderful shops. And Akihabara's got a great one. There's another store nearby called Amiami, which is actually uh, where I order a lot of my newer. Uh, Godzilla figures that you might see in some of the pictures here from Fury Industries. And it just so happened when I got there, there was a big Tam- Bandai Tam- Tamashi Nations uh, exhibit happening across the street from Amiami. So I got to see a bunch of the new toys coming out. And that stuff like Dragon Ball and Godzilla and Ultraman and, and Harry Potter and, and Marvel. Like they cover a lot of properties. And But man, like suddenly I'm trying to find, you know stuff for my kids and they really love the show my hero academia and unless they're expensive figures all I could find was like uh the 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 souvenir types that they have for kids are kind of uh for lack of a better phrase lame it was like coin purses uh that's not a sexual reference Uh, it was actually like coin purses or like little poster things um or stickers or buttons and it was just a little all over the place, and I wanted to, like, nail it for my kids. So uh, I struggled to find the proper gifts for a really long time and didn't actually bring that home until uh, sort of my last day in Tokyo. I, f- I figured out what I wanted to get for Sadie. Ben's pretty easy because he likes some more traditional Japanese toys like Beyblade and stuff that, that, that carry over here. Um, so the RKC crushed it. It was super cool. And I got to do a whole bunch of sightseeing. Uh, One of my favorite toy stores, I I, I always mispronounce this, is in Ginza, Hakuhinken Toy Park, I think is how you pronounce it. And I got a few things there. Uh, It's, you know, especially in a post not having a Toys R Us in the States, it's sort of the closest you can get to that out there. But it's also how we might have uh, WWE wrestling figures on on a whole wall of pegs they'll have Ultraman figures and they have wrestling stuff too, but they'll have Ultraman figures. And it's just cool to see common popularity on that. And, uh, I tried to go to a couple of more historic bars. There's this Lupin cafe in Ginza that apparently uh, a lot of famous Japanese writers used to drink at, but it was closed when I went there. Um, and just checked out some fish markets and, and again, did more proper sightseeing than just looking at uh, <laughs> Godzilla stores that sell toys and I actually decided I did a ton of walking on this trip and walked to the Rainbow Bridge which was probably about a two mile walk uh, from my hotel and it got dark while I was walking and I realized I don't know if this is safe or not it, I've never I've only felt scared in Japan once and I'll talk about that in, in a little bit because uh, it relates to another story but like, you know, I still come into it with a Brooklyn, New York common sense. And I found myself basically alone on a sidewalk walking around a waterfront warehouse area trying to get to this bridge. And <laughs> and eventually I finally was like, I'm going to take my headphones off. I'm going to be very mindful here. And, uh, you know, nothing happened. It was totally cool. And I got to check out the Rainbow Bridge in Tokyo. Didn't get to go across it. I was running out of time. And so that was cool. And then the next day, the whole Kineticos team, uh, Kesuke, Taizo, Travis and Kaori, they took me to go to Kamakura, which is uh, a little bit more of a historic area. It's actually they have surfing out there, but that's where there's a a couple of massive temples, including um, the giant Buddha and this bamboo forest they took me to. And it was Friggin' breathtaking and just such a nice way to hang out with them again I I can't thank Travis and Kyrie enough for who they are and and what they've done for me but also Taizo now for three years in a row has been in the background just continuing to grow as a coach and, and as a person and I can see how Travis and Kauri can rely on him to take care of stuff. Keske, this was the first year that he was there that I met him. and same type of personality, like Travis and I actually joke that like the work they put into their hiring practices is amazing uh, to the point where I don't think I joke that and it's not a joke. I don't think Travis would actually hire me if I was coming out as a staff employee. So it was just really cool to get to hang out with the team and see some new areas in Japan. And uh, go to a bunch of temples, and if you look at some of these pictures on my Facebook thing, you'll see this giant Buddha from I want to say it was like 1215 it was made, and you're looking at it and it, it it's it's iron and it's wrought iron and it's got gates and stuff, and you can go inside it and it's from 1215. You're like, how the hell was all this happening? I don't know why you assume statues and brick structures being differently than stuff that actually, you know, wrought out of iron or whatever it is. Uh, but it was just sort of breathtaking and we saw a bunch of stuff including a bunch of creepy spiders in the trees that actually legitimately gave me nightmares uh (laughs) and then one of the things i tried to do this trip since i was going to be out so much is you know those flights crush your body there's just no way i get up a lot i press reset in the at, at, at the you know i move around at the gates before i go on and uh But I wanted to work out, so I found Travis pointing me out to this little body weight area with a pull-up bar and some stuff, and I started bringing Indian clubs clubs out and using those, so I got a few workouts in prior to that, and it just felt really good to move around, and it helped, and then went out on another little expedition at a temple hunt and ended up at the temple that's the burial of where the 47 Ronin are buried, the 47 Samurai, which is a famous story. I, I want to say Keanu Reeves might've been in the movie. Um, I have to look that up, but I'm not going to bother, but it, it, it's something that I had heard of. And then all of a sudden I was there it was, it was absolutely breathtaking to see uh, literally a historic part of a story. Like, well, this is actually it. They're here. The, the, this almost fable-like telling of a story that I've heard in the States is here they are. This is where they're at rest. And later that day, I think it was the same day, uh, the one thing I'd asked Travis and Kari to do in Tokyo specifically was I've always wanted to go to this place called the Robot Restaurant. And all I knew that it was some sort of like a stage show. I expected it to be wacky. I expected it to be cheesy. So Travis got us tickets. And... (laughs) We went and so to go to the robot restaurant, you have to pick up your tickets in one one storefront and then you wait in line and you go into the actual restaurant. So we're waiting out line for Travis to go get our tickets of this first location. And I hear somebody say, I think we're checked in. And I recognize the voice and I turn around and no shit. Mark Fisher and Sheena are right next to me (laughs) completely like I knew he was coming to Tokyo. Uh, I had no idea we were going to overlap. And it just randomly turned out that we're both in Shinjuku. We're both going to the robot restaurant for the exact same uh, show times, so because you have to buy a specific show time. So uh, it was great to get to hang out with them and introduce them to Kari and, and, and Travis. And man, you know, uh, I was afraid this robot thing was going to be like an overpriced piece of shit. But it was fucking awesome. Uh, I couldn't recommend it enough. I mean, the restaurant's a stretch, but it's a it's a pretty crazy robot light show music number story. Uh it is everything you would think a sort of crazy side of Japanese culture would be in this thing. And the performers were going all out on it. Like, they were really nailing the shit out of this. It was so much fun. And it was funny because I'm taking my pictures and, like, Mark and Sheena ended up directly across from us. And uh, it was just super cool. I couldn't believe it was it was there. And it was just rad to see Mark and Sheena and, and, and get to share that together while we're out there. Um, which led to then... Uh, Travis, Kari, and I, we go check out the Godzilla store. I wanted to see if they had this figure. It actually turns out we were out there for Godzilla's 64th birthday. And uh, I wanted to see if they had the special edition figure at this Godzilla store, but it wasn't out yet. And they they had dinner. And then I went into... uh, I I tried to track down Mark and Sheena, and they had met with some friends for a drink in this area called Golden Guy. And now, I mentioned this, like, scare thing. So uh, Shinjuku has got an area around the robot restaurant that's like super touristy packed with restaurants and bars. And it's also where the Godzilla hotel is. The hotel Gracery has a two scale Godzilla head and claw on the eighth floor. And it's quite breathtaking. And there's a a Godzilla room that is Godzilla themed. But then there's also Godzilla viewing rooms that if you rent them at the hotel, you'll basically be eye level looking at the face of this giant Godzilla statue. The first year I was in Tokyo, I was there. I stayed one night there in a Godzilla viewing room, and I went out just to look for toys because that's what I do when I'm out there, and I'm walking around with a Monster Energy drink, and a gentleman comes up and, and, and starts hassling me to try to go to their bars, and basically, you have to be really careful with this thing, and I'm really grateful that Travis gave me a little bit of heads up. So. Uh, there's an element of the nigerian mafia and i don't know if they work independently or in conjunction with the yakuza but they're still active right and a lot of the people are a lot of the restaurants in in japan will have barkers outside trying to get you to come in and have their food or or have drink specials but uh you have to be very careful if they're actually english speaking and if they're overly aggressively friendly uh, and I hate to say it, but like a, a lot of the Nigerian folks that are doing this are directly connected to the shadier element. Um, and what I mean by shadier element is, is like they try to get you to like the popular place. Uh, But then they'll or try to get your reservation and then they'll be like, oh, that place is full. We'll go to this place. And then suddenly you go down and, you know, you get a bill that is like way overpriced and you can't get out until you pay it. There's also horror stories where you might go into one of these places. They drug your drink, charge up your card and you wake up and there's nothing you can do about and all your shit's gone. But your passport, Uh, that's legitimate. Um, I, I don't want that to sound racist or anything, but you can look that type of thing up. And the first time I went out there on my own for that first trip, uh, walking around looking for toys... One of the guys was like, you know, hey, you want to have some drinks? I'm like, no. Hey, where are you going? You want to have a good time? I'm like, no, I'm good, man. Thank you. I'm just, you know, walking around. Hey, uh, girls, no drugs. No. And he's looking at me with tattoos, which is already a thing that's still frowned upon out there. And I think he was just like, what do you mean with these tattoos? You're not going to come out and like party at my place. And he was getting aggressive. And I thought I was going to get jumped. So, uh, you know, I politely kept walking away, charging away. Thank you, New York City upbringing. Uh, where at Lakes Living, I wasn't brought up in New York City. And then another Barker came up and, you know, sort of started, but was more polite about it. And, you know, it's the only time that I'm like, oh, shit, I might get jumped out here. Nothing like that happened last year. Um, but then this year, trying to meet up with Mark and China, golden guy like Mark doesn't necessarily know where he's going. He doesn't have a specific address to say. I don't know where I'm going because I've never been looking for this Golden guy area. It's, it's kind of like Drunkard's Alley of Tokyo, of Shinjuku. Um, and there's also some big festival happening on this one block. I mean, it was kind of beautiful, but it was also hectic. And of course, like, I'm alone on my phone following a map a little bit, trying to be responsible about it. And man, aggressive barkers coming up trying to shake my hand, trying to guide me places. And I was just like, hell no, as politely as I can. And so that is the only time that I've actually been scared. And and scared in a way that I haven't really ever been in the city either. Um, because there is a legit thing about it. And I, I later went to do a little bit of research on the old YouTubes. And apparently, you, you do have to watch out for... Uh, If these people come up to you for any tourists that are come out there, the better English they speak, the more likely they're working for somebody that's going to do you harm. Uh, You know, traditionally, the nicer restaurants, also the gentlemen will come out and they will not be in any type of street clothes. They'll be well-dressed Japanese people and they'll, you know, probably in Japan, English isn't, it's not like you expect where everybody's not fluently talking English as well. Like it's a very Japanese dominant language. Uh, but you can, there's signs and menus in English and stuff. So just be mindful of that if you go out there. I forget the name of the sub area they call this in Shinjuku, but like if you go to like the Godzilla Hotel, I mean, it's right off the train. Um, that area, it, it, it's sketchy. And so I was very grateful to meet up with Mark and some new friends and have a drink at this dive bar, which was right up my alley. Unfortunately, it wasn't too crowded and nobody had been smoking uh, because that's the other thing in Asia. Here's the thing. Here's the here's the thing with Japan. I shouldn't say Asia, Japan. Uh, Japan has pretty much the best people, amazing food, wonderful culture. Um, But they still allow smoking in the bars and in most restaurants, which is just fucking horrible. Uh, And it becomes actually difficult to find restaurants that don't allow smoking. And then on the on the flip side of that, uh, they have the best toilets in the world. So, uh, full on, highly customizable bidets. It's wonderful. Uh, one of the greatest, uh, moments is that excitement, nervousness, when you're going to use the bidet for the first time in a toilet you haven't, and you're wondering like, what's the temperature and pressure going to be like when the spray hits your butthole? So, uh, watch out for smoking in restaurants, watch out for, uh, you know, these guys trying to bring you into bars in Shinjuku area, but everything else has been cool, uh, so, anyway, we did the robot restaurant, had drinks, and then the next day, Travis took me out to uh, th- th- there's a Toho Studios and a Toho Cinema in Hibiya, and which is near Ginza, not far from the hotel. And they uh, they created a, a Shin Godzilla statue. Shin Godzilla is the 2016 version of Godzilla from Japan, so we got to check that out, and then uh, I made my way to. The holy grounds of vintage Japanese toy collecting. And that would be uh, Nakano Broadway in Nakano. The Nakano Broadway Mall in Nakano. Where it's basically like a three floor mall of all Japanese toy and anime culture. And it's also like an amazing history tour. Because they will have, you know, some of the toys in there are tens of thousands of dollars. They go back to the beginning. Of a, of where these plastic toys started to come into, so I really had a blast. Again, I I, b- I bought some stuff for Sadie there, um, and I I had gotten some stuff for Ben, so that sort of squared away my gifts and whatnot. And then, uh, you know, the next day, original strength pressing reset back at uh, FitBox Funk uh, Makoto's place, and Makoto, the owner of FitBox. Had brought me in Japan, they make these box sets. They're like, they call them like a DVD magazine. So it's like a magazine height, but it's a cardboard box. And they've been putting out all the Toho movies. And there's over 50 of them at this point. So the one he got me happened to be my favorite Godzilla movie, Son of Godzilla. So. It's cool that I've been there enough and have friends with people that even though like there's a language barrier, they're like, they, they, they fricking get me. So I got this great son of Godzilla DVD thing. And when you open it up, it actually has like reproduction of press materials and, and posters and stuff. So it's super cool. And, uh, we taught pressing reset and it was a, a pretty mellow crew, um, which I think caught me off guard at first, but it, when, when the course was over, There's so many takeaways, and I think, you know, in the U.S., like, there's a ton of courses that happen out there, so I don't even want to say it's a lack of education, uh, opportunities. They have a lot coming out there, but sometimes certain things just, you know, break the paradigm a little more, and and OS seems to be something that not a lot of people are doing out there, that type of movement restoration. So it's really cool to see people growing from that and uh, having takeaways and getting excited to use it. So we taught that course. And then had an evening off and then, you know, we've heard a lot about Indian clubs on this workshop and, you know, we had Dr. Ed Thomas and, and James Nidling are on here and Travis last year had asked me if I would put together a, a, a little short intro to Indian club workshop because people are starting to hear about them, but not know at all what they were. So we had a small group cause we did it at Connecticut, which is not a big space. It's an awesome spot though. Um, and we shot a video of it. So we had 10 people and I think only two of them had actually touched clubs before. Travis did this great thing where like the, the price of admission, you also got a pair of one pound clubs and they're these nice one uh, wood clubs uh, turn really nice. They, it took a little while for me to get used to them because uh, the, the the rounder edge is a little bigger than the, the normal urethane ones that I use. So I, I clinked them a few times and Man, did I have fun teaching that Indian club workshop. Now, I've assisted at a bunch of these, and I've been using clubs uh, you know, since 2011, so seven years. And only in the last few months have I really started trying to progress my training instead of just doing the same things. And it was really great to open some eyes up. So uh, this course is going to evolve into my original strength Indian clubs course, which is going to be an intro course, probably three hours. Um, probably sell a product for that in the States as well. But the goal of that is is actually just to give somebody an entry level baseline, so that they could go um, with a little bit more background into something like James's flexible steel certification, or I know Paul Walkowinski and Kelly uh, have already have just announced, and Kevin Rael have just announced that they're going to be doing a uh, Indian Club certification of their own. So this would be a nice. This is why it works with OS course, but also here's where the bases are start practicing here and then you're going to have a better time when you go to a, a more advanced course, just like taking an HKC is super beneficial to an RKC. So that's where I think my course is going to slot in. Um, you don't have to make it your life's blood to be an Indian club enthusiast, but I think more people should be able to have a, a, a lower cost of entry gateway into Indian club practice. Cause I do think it's super beneficial. And, uh, you know, got around to, uh, a- after that Indian Club course, basically the next day, Travis and I flew out to teach two Indian Club, press- uh, sorry, two Original Strength Pressing Reset courses back-to-back in Taiwan. And Vicky Hung, uh, who is going to be my translator, co-owner of the Believe Training Center, is just an outright rock star in Taiwan, uh, similar to how Travis and Kaori, uh really grow japanese fitness education she does that for taiwan and she's awesome she took uh the os course with me and some of her some of her coaches last year in tokyo and and brought us out and man (laughs) did they take amazing care of travis and i they put us up in a really nice hotel uh doris uh took us out for an amazing dinner uh travis's favorite spot there and you know, it's the Believe Training Center is just if you, if you look at the pictures on my socials, it's just a, a wonderful open spot. Her husband, uh, Power, is a, is a Lego collector. They got Travis and I these really nice gifts of these porcelain "You're the Dog" statues, and uh, you know they had made custom lanyards for all of the attendees instead of traditional name tags, and it was just so nice to feel so taken care of, like Uber's picking us up and. It, it was great. And then the night after the first one, the first pressing reset workshop, uh, Vicky took us out for dinner at her favorite place, uh, which was basically just a few buildings down from the gym. And uh, the one thing that they like to do there is order a ton of food, knowing you're not going to finish it. But they li- like, Vicky likes to watch people eat. Uh, and uh, she had me try intestine. So I tried intestine for the first time. But we had this delicious meal and then taught pressing reset the second day. Now, the cool thing about teaching these things back to back was Vicky was able to get feedback from, her, from the people she knew and some questions that she was getting about specific aspects of OS that maybe, I think most of it was actually covered, but there's a, there was a mindset of technicality and a type of training coming from a lot of the people in Taiwan versus sort of the ease of use and application of OS. So we were able to sort of custom tailor in a way without changing the curriculum, but how we presented the next one. And like I said, like when you work with a translator, you just you, you have to be sharp and economical and you're, you're thinking ahead. Uh, it's definitely more challenging, but it really made things great. So. Uh, It was a very unique experience uh, those two courses and you would literally people would try their baseline movement So in OS you basically try a movement like maybe an overhead squat or a toe touch You do a version of a reset and then you retest and you just see if you feel better And you just see people coming up with these big smiles on their faces and whatnot and it was just really cool and uh, a lot of people seemed to have some serious takeaways from both of those courses And then literally, uh, she had some of her friends, Roger and crew, take us to one of the night markets in Taiwan, which I can only sort of relate to being almost like a narrow street version of a San Gennaro festival, but it's mostly Chinese. It's basically all different types of Chinese and Taiwanese street food Um, and some known shops like a Nike shop or a New Balance shop and then a lot of knockoff stuff. Uh, and it was kind of crazy It was quite the scene and, and, and the guys took really good care of Travis and I uh, Vicky had basically provided them a list And gave them money Of uh, specific things they wanted us to try Whether we wanted to or not And we just had an awesome time And then literally the next morning I flew home uh, Which was basically a 20 hour hotel to front door Journey for me And pulled it off And You know it's kind of amazing how big and how small the fitness world is, and I really hope whenever I teach courses, I try to stress that to not just keep in touch with me, but for, for, for the attendees to keep in touch with each other, because you really never know uh, where you're going to make a best friend, like a Travis or Cowery or a or, or James Newman um, or even now finding like a Caitlin Lavelle, like these people that are going to have an impact in your life on a positive way, both professionally and outside. Uh, It's just such a a cool thing to be a part of if you just keep your eyes open for it. And I think that you know, if we go back to this idea of Zen and being in the moment, I think that's it. Like appreciating at the moment that this person is special, that this moment is special, uh, and that it's going to be gone. Uh, And just having gratitude for that I'll say, uh, I'm very surprised with myself how well I tend to travel and to teach in front of people because that's not I was a super shy kid. I remember I won some poetry thing in grade school, maybe second grade and 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 I cried to my mom that i I, I was supposed to speak in front of the class and uh, the, the the whole school and and I cried and uh said I wouldn't do it, so somebody else read it um and now I'm you know getting in front of groups, all of these courses were sold out. Um, so OS alone was about 95 total people in five days that, that, that we got to teach. Uh, it was also very cool to see Travis, you know, lead the room on some of these OS portions. Um, but, but as I was just saying, just allow yourself to grow. Don't accept, like you can be aware of where your weak links are. Like I know emotionally and, 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 and psychologically where I struggle Um, And I try to get better at them. I try not to kill myself or beat myself up over it. Um, But allow yourself to grow. And uh, you just never know where this journey will take you because I'm talking about nostalgia. And I I can't believe how fast life is going by right now. You know, I turned 46 right before this trip. And I know that's not super old, but sometimes I still feel like I'm like 23 and I'm this new trainer and I haven't, I'm not a seasoned veteran, but I've been at this like eight years. And I, I've certainly had some experiences that go be way beyond the norm, I think for a lot of trainers. And I still feel like I'm struggling here, you know, at home in Brooklyn, um, to make this happen the way that I want it to happen. Uh, but then I have these other opportunities that I'm just like, I didn't even know that thing existed. I didn't know being a traveling fitness educator presenter was a thing, right? Like what the fuck? That's a thing. And I'm just so grateful for the opportunities. Um, it's really, and for the friends I meet. And you know this weird thing when you're when you're in a country that you don't understand the language. That sometimes it's frustrating that you want to be able to talk. You're like, I know you're cool, and I want to share this. I get a good vibe off of you. I want to talk with you, and you can't because like there's just no way you're going to share that dialogue really. But then you also take a step back and you just learn to appreciate that you're in each other's company. And and that's fucking awesome. And I, I really had a lot of moments like that where I'm like, I'm really grateful to be around these people. I know we can't talk, but I know we like each other. And uh, I'm just going to let that be what it is and appreciate it because hopefully I'll see you again when I come back next year or through Facebook. And the weirdest thing is especially um, uh, most of my friends from Japan, you know, their their Facebook names show up in English letters. A lot of uh, a, a lot of my, my friends from, from Taipei now, that it's not. So I, I can't even really read the name. But uh, it, I'm just stoked you're part of the life now. Um, it's a game changer. And I'll also, going to openly admit, one of the things we talk a lot, it comes up in Strength Faction a lot, is this idea of imposter syndrome. And, you know, when I'm working with people at the level of Travis and Kari and, and, and Vicky, I, I, I do often think, like, what the fuck am I doing here um but then you realize you deliver and that's why you're doing there so i'm just very grateful that sometimes in a similar way how i used to research for kettlebell certifications to make sure i was staying sharp that sometimes just working with coaches greater than you helps you sort of recertify that you you belong in a way unofficially um you know iron sharpens iron And I'm really grateful for that and for their friendships. Uh, It it really reinvigorated me coming home to make more shit happen at home um, with the Fury crew here in in Brooklyn. And uh, I'm excited about what might come up. Uh, There were some like struggles. Uh, I didn't have a lot of great Wi-Fi. So FaceTiming with the Kim and the kids was rough, though we talked about twice a day, every day if I wasn't flying Taiwan, I didn't have much of a phone at all, um, outside of the gym and a little bit at the hotel. Uh, but again, I was, it was so hectic and I fell behind on a little bit of my programming. So I'm sorry to the fury crew. Um, I'm playing catch up. I promise. And we will return to having guests here. And I, I just want to say I, I'm grateful. Oh, <laughs> I should say this also uh somebody at the indie club workshop a buddy was like oh and now like you know this is this is my name this is what i do and he listened to the podcast listeners from tokyo uh that kind of blew my mind but anyway i i just want to say uh thank you thank you for being a part of this journey if you're listening to my voice somehow you've connected with me um and I'm grateful for you for listening, even if we haven't met. Somehow, just even if it's just through this show, you're getting to know me. Thank you. Uh, it, it is a wonderful thing we do. And when you think about uh, how when we get to teach a course and how that information gets shared, it gets shared with the purpose of helping people. So uh, that's a, a pretty big ripple. And I, when my time is up on this planet, and I hope it's a fucking really long time from now, you know, I want to be, you know, that I was a, a, a good husband, a good dad. And that I made a difference. And that difference might simply be that there's like hundreds of people that I don't know who the fuck they are that maybe I showed their coach something. And I'm not taking credit for it. I just mean a small part. But I do think that'll be my ripple effect. And whatever it is you're into, um, see if you can't make a ripple. Uh, that got metaphorical or deep or whatever anyway hey anyway enough of my voice i promise i'll have a guest on the next episode uh i'm grateful for you know that fury out the coach fury podcast is created owned and produced by steve coach fury holliner for fury industries llc Music provided by the FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for band, tour, music, and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn Gurrieta. Visit glengurrieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or follow him on Instagram at glengurrieta. Voice over by Laura Palmer.